Thank you for checking out our podcast today. We hope that the teaching you're about to hear will inspire you and motivate you on your incredible journey in becoming a better you. So please turn your attention to today's message. I, I, I want to get right into today's um, scripture. We're going to talk out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The, the message title for today, and then I think we're going to go ahead and we're going to use this maybe for part two, um, is going to be knock, 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 knock. Somebody say, who's there? Knock, 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 knock. All right. That's that's the title. And there's a reason why we're doing this. I want to speak to fathers. I want to speak to men. I, I, I want to speak to husbands and, and wives. I want you listening. Mothers, I want you listening. Um, if, if you are here, young people, I want you guys listening. Pay close attention as I share. This is something I'm I've just poured my heart into it. And I just wanted to share this with you. I'm going to read two scriptures. Both scriptures uh, are going to be the same. Uh, however, the first one is going to be from a translation, the New Living Translation. The second one will be from the Message Translation. And then uh, it's the same thing except worded a little different. One of them is pretty standard, but the other one is more in your face. You know what I'm saying? Okay? It's just in your face. So um, so it will be like the second one would be hood. Will be, you know what I'm saying? It's like in your face, hood. But, but 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11 says, When I was a child... When I was a child, let me hear the man. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned. What, did, what three things did we do? Spoke, thought, reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I what? I what? I put away childish things. Now we're going to go hood. 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 13, verse 11. Loved, I love the message Bible, the way it puts it out there. It says, when I was an infant, at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like an infant. When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. Are you following that? Now, as as unreasonable as it may sound and look to have an adult child still attached to mom's boobie, (laughs) gurgling and cooing, the scripture that we finished reading isn't necessarily just about adults acting like children, but additionally what the scripture tells us, it established some fundamentals that, that, that there are paternal seasons and times that are crucial and are vital, are vital when both mom and dad are involved in the development of a child. The early years of a child inarguably belong to mom. Hands down, mom has the helm and the reins of this season. Where is Alexis? And the boo-boo, the baby, not the boo-boo, <laughs> the baby, where's the baby? Okay, so, so, so just hold, C- come here, can you come here and just, this, it's, it's my, this is my granddaughter, guys, right? 
Just like her Lolo. She looks just like her Lolo. But, but listen carefully. Listen carefully. The early, okay, okay. Okay, you guys could go back very carefully. You're going to be fine. Okay. The early years, and arguably, belong to moms. There's, there's, there's something, there is something about the hours and the days that a mom invests with a child during the early years that they, it helps shape, it, it, it helps mold temperament, behavior, emotions impacting the child's adulthood. Moms are vital in the early stages of development of a child. The, the way many adults are going to deal with emotions, problems, and hardship as adults is rooted in the early stages with the time you spend with mom. The touch, the sound, the funk and scent. <laughs> I, I should say scent, not funk. But the scent of a mom is, is medicinal to a child. <laughs> but but the sound and the scent, the smell of a of a mom is is medicinal in, in times of illness for a child. In fact, children instinctively and typically they run to mom when they're not feeling well. But they'll run to dad when they are afraid or they sense fear. When they have a nightmare, they run to dad's side of the bed. When they're not feeling well, they run to mom's side of the bed, and the fellas are like, thank God. <laughs> Moms play a pivotal, pivotal role. Somebody said this. Somebody said, no, the roles are probably different. That happens. That happens. It happens. That happens. But, but moms play a pivotal role in the early, early stages of a child. When that child starts to grow, grow up, then dad's role starts to unfold and, and be more, be more uh, pronounced in the life of a child. You can have a seat, mamita. Thank you very much. Thank you. We'll make sure that there's a stipend or something for the child. For... When the child starts to grow, that child may not need the boob of mom anymore, but now needs, the, now needs and relies on the strength of, of dad's hands and, and the sound of dad's voice. Often my children would say to me, there is something about the tone in your voice, Pop. Even so as adults, that when I speak, it shakes the core of their body. And I say, I know. Your mama loves it. Anyway. <laughs> Fathers, fathers, fathers value and their involvement comes into play in the latter part of a child's development when, when, when children start to pronounce their independence from mom by exercising strength and, and, and themselves. They, they, they are, children are filled with extra energy that requires much more than just the gentle voice of mom in touch. You know, dads help to add to the shaping of a child's world view, discipline, understanding of how authority and boundaries in life work. A, a father plays a very pivotal role in a child's life. Acts chapter 17, verse 26 says, 
And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Having determined their appointed times and the and the and the of their habitation. Is that where it finishes? Yes. So if a child doesn't understand boundaries early, they will have a hard time adjusting as adults. When my children were going, we were going to visit another family. We were we were we would stop the car in front of the house in the driveway. And not mom, but dad would come out. I'd come out and I'd say to Jose, I'd say to Adrian and, and Alexis, never because she's perfect. But those, the, the two boys, <laughs> no, but the two boys, I would always, always go, we're about to go into that house. It is not your house. The toys that belong to those children, they, they're, they belong to those children. They don't have to share. They don't have to share. You're going to go in there and those toys are theirs. The house is theirs. All that is there. And you're just going to sit next to me. Don't even think about asking to go upstairs and play in the room. You're going to stick with me the whole time. Do you understand? We go, yes, sir. <laughs> That's how we right? And then we will go in there. We will go in the house and they'd be trembling. And then the, the, the host of the house would be like, hey, they can go upstairs. And the kids would be like, like and I'd look at them. And they, they knew. What happened? I gave them boundaries. I gave them boundaries. And that may not work for everybody. That's what worked for our home. But they understood their toys are their toys. And I said, you have to share. Johnny, you have to share. No, you don't have to share. They're my toys. I bought that stuff. That belongs to my son. We brought our kids up and they understood boundaries. And boundaries are lines that separate political and geographical areas, territorial limitations. Brownie, uh, brownies, somebody's hungry. Boundaries can be called borders and bounds. They are derivatives of each other. Boundaries are necessary in the development of nations. Freedom begins where borders and boundaries exist. In fact, your home exercises boundaries. There is a freedom in your home that you and your children exercise that they can't have anywhere else. Are you understanding this? The borders that I see, they mark where my sovereignty begins and where it ends. So as long as my borders can be seen, I am free to move about. This is my space, my area, my domain. As a child, my dad used to tell my brother Danny and I, used to say, hey, you see, you play right here, or over there, or over there. And he would say, don't cross the street. Don't cross the street. And then he would just disappear. And, and if we, want, we were tempted to cross the street, you could hear it. Don't cross the street. Don't cross the street. It was a boundary. Borders are what give ownership definition as well as a measurable dimension. Imagine asking a contractor to install a fence your property, and then all you do is you go, hey, that's where you're going to work. Just right there, just install the fence there in my backyard or my front yard. And you just point. The, the contractor needs specificity. You need, I, I need to know, I, where is this stuff going to go? Where are the lines? It's going to be lost. Clear borders help strategize how to guard, how to protect what's behind 
and, and, and how to dif differentiate what's yours. The Bible in Galatians chapter 5, verse 23, it's not up, but it teaches us to exercise self-control. Let me hear the man say self-control. Self I said, let me hear the man say self-control. Self All right, self-control. Self-control means that you do not overextend yourself into someone else's borders. You don't trespass. Now, what we learn from the Bible is that borders and boundaries are not a man idea. That is a God idea. God established early on borders from the beginning in Genesis, and he expected borders to be treated with high regard. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, as we read. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he formed. You got it? Now, where where did he where did he plant the where did he plant the man? Where? East. east. Where? East. Somebody just graduated. I heard it. They said east and then Eden. I got you. Genesis chapter 2, 15, 16, 17. Then the Lord God, then the Lord God took the man and he put him into the garden of Eden to do what? To do what? Cultivate it and keep it. To do two things in Eden, to cultivate it and to keep it. The Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree, from any tree of the garden, you may eat freely. Come on. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Now, when, when, when man is placed into Eden, I want you to pay attention to this definition. Eden, the definition of Eden, is the environment of God's presence. Eden, Eden is the environment of God's presence. Everything is just right for God to show up. That's what Eden is. God does so by giving man a, an assignment. He gives him a requirement when he puts him into Eden. He says, I want you to, number one, cultivate. Number two, keep it. The it was Eden. Now, what does Eden mean? I just, I just said it. It's what? The environment of God's presence. Eden is the environment. It is conducive to both man and God to move freely. Freely means without restrictions, not under control of another. Man has been given innate traits and characteristics that define his masculinity and it distinguishes him from a woman. To cultivate, somebody say cultivate. cultivate. To cultivate means, it, it, it means that you, you require both uh, physical and mental strength. Cultivation involves the use of hands, your back, strength, sweat, Cultivation isn't fun. To cultivate isn't fun. Cultivating children isn't fun. Parents, raising up children isn't fun. It's beautiful. It's not fun. It's not fun. You know what's fun? You know what's fun? I'm going to tell you what's fun. When you finish parenting and they leave your house, that's fun. 
And then you pick up the phone and they call you and they're over there and you hear the kids in the background and they're yelling and everything. And, and mom, mom and dad are over here with daiquiris and, and, and pina coladas. And... That's fun. Raising kids is tough. It's a lot of work. My, parents, my kids, my dad, you look old. Yeah, I raised you guys. That's what happens. The next word that he uses in that verse was to keep. Somebody say keep. keep. That word means, to, that word keep means possession, to retain, to retain something by whatever necessary means. Now, in the original Hebrew word for that word keep is shamar. And shamar in its usage means to guard a point of entry. That's what Shamar means, to guard a point of entry. This morning when we were talking with our volunteers, um, as we were wrapping up our time together, I was encouraging them, guys, we have two doors here. How can we avoid, how can we avoid someone uh, who is not invited to come into this place and cause harm? Keep the doors closed. So I need you to keep the doors closed at all times, all right? That's what I was telling the guys. But God gives man this assignment, and he says, I need you to cultivate. That means to work hard, to sweat. But then I need you to guard, to keep, retain the points of entry. Men, our children rely on our guardianship. Men. Our children rely on our guardianship. Our guardianship is more than just a signature on a paper. We have an obligation to guard the entry points of our homes and those that dwell in our homes. We have an assignment from God to guard the entry points of our children's lives, both spiritually and mentally. We have a command, an assignment from God to guard those entry points. Not just in their, not just in their minds, uh, not, not, just, not just spiritually, but also to guard their hearts. When we fail to guard our homes, disaster in catastrophic proportions is inevitable. When a man fails at guarding his post, the ramifications can be felt not for one generation, but for many generations. Listen to what Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says. Therefore, just as, just as, guys, are you with me? Just as, just as, through one man, sin entered into the world and death through sin and so death spread to all men because all sin. Now, that word through means that there was an entry point. It, it was through. When men fall asleep at their post, all havoc breaks loose. We heard last week with Jessica talking about the parable of the farmer. The farmer worked all day. He, he worked at planting seeds. And then what happened? What happened? The Bible says that they fell asleep. They went and they fell asleep. 
And when they slept, an enemy came. An enemy came and he sold weeds. When men fall asleep at the entry point of their homes, all havoc breaks loose. Vulnerable entry points are usually the, the cause of every and all home invasions. Think about that. It's the first thing you're asked. You're trying to report for insurance reasons. Were your doors locked? Were your doors locked? If your car gets stolen, were your doors locked? More dangerous than a home being invaded, I believe, is the invasion of the heart, the invasion of the mind, most importantly, the invasion of a child's spirit. When a man is not on his post, this can be catastrophic. Listen to what Mark chapter 9, verse 17, 18 says. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and he said, Teacher, we're speaking to Jesus. I brought my son so you could heal him. He is, he is possessed by a evil spirit that won't let him Continue. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. And when too fast, mama. Go back. Okay. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him into violently into the ground. Okay. Then he foams at the mouth and he grinds his teeth and he becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. We jump now to verses 20, 22. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit, when the evil spirit, when the evil spirit, when the evil spirit, one more time, when the evil spirit, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked a very pivotal question, a very important question. I, I think this is a fundamental question here that Jesus is asking. How long has this been happening? And Jesus asked the boy's father, but listen to what the listen to what the father says. Since he was a what? Evil spirit, since when? Since when? Some of us are fooling around in your adulthood, neglecting the entry points of your home to the minds and to the hearts and to the spirit of your children. And then you don't know what's happening to them as they get older. Spirit often throws him into the fire or into water. Go ahead, read. Come on. What is it doing? Enemy doesn't want to fool with your children. Have mercy on us. Help us if you can. In that banter between this father and Jesus, 
I wish I could go into all of the details. I don't have the time to do that today, and, and I might develop that a little later on. But, but, but this, this father does what we do and, and what this world does, and, and, and we point at what? Government? We point at politics? We, we point at, at laws? We just point at everyone else? If he had the audacity to say, can you do something? John chapter 10. Let me ask you a question. When the father brought the child to Jesus, what did the evil spirit see? What did the evil, what, what happened? What did the evil spirit see? Huh? What did the evil spirit see? What did the evil spirit see? The father brought the child to Jesus. The Bible says that what? He saw. What did he see? I want you to check this out. Chapter 10, verses 7 through 9. Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you. One more time. I say to you, I am the. I am the what? Of the. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Verse 9. Come on. I am the Lord. What? I am the Lord. One more time. I am the One more time. I am the Who's the door? Who's the door? Who's the door? And he says, if anyone enters, if anyone enters, if anyone enters, what happens? And will what? And find pasture. So what did the evil spirit see when it brought the child or the man, the boy, to Jesus? What did he see? What did he see? He saw a door. He saw a gate. He saw a fortress. He, he saw a stronghold. He, he saw an obstacle. What did he see? I can't enter past this point because there is a door. Are you listening? Dad and mom, the enemy is not coming for you. He's coming for your child. The enemy isn't trying to gain access into your Eden for vacation purposes. He's trying to go in to devour your offspring. You heard the father say he is often thrown into fire, into water with the purpose to what? And I know that's a strong word specifically in these times. Mom, you got to stop fooling around, helping, helping, helping your husband and the man leave his post. I, I want to encourage moms and, mo and, and, and mothers to encourage your husband to stand at his post to guard those entry points of the home. To hold him accountable. To put a demand on his life for the sake of your home and your children. 
you know that in the story of this father that had the demon-possessed son, there's absolutely no mention of a mom. In the issues of the spirit, the conversation was between Jesus and man. Are you following that? Average attendance in the church, women. Men playing with their toys. Shining rims. Playing with motorcycles. Fishing with their buddies. Well, moms are just trying to do what they can do to stand at the entry point. Man, we have an obligation to stand at the entry point to post, at our post to cultivate and to guard our Eden. Mom, some of you have to get out of the way of dad and let dad be dad. Amen. <laughs> you gotta let dad be dad. There, there's a time for there's a there was a there is a time you remember the first verses that we gave you. There 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 is there is a time for the attachment of of, of the breast. There, there is a time for it. But then there's also a time for 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 dad's voice to come in, for dad's strength to come in. You know, with my with my with my children, I'd stand at the door and I'd give them a time to play. You know, Adrian, do you, how did I call you home? What? I whistle. That's what I did. I would stand at them. And I'd whistle. And the kids would come out. Running out of everywhere. Dad, you're <laughs> and I wasn't perfect, man. I messed it up. I dropped the ball all the time. However, with my kids... Back in you, man. There were times and there were places where I would tell, Becky, my spirit don't feel right. You have to go to this function. You go alone. I just can't. I don't want to risk my boys in that environment. Dad doesn't breastfeed. Mom does. It's an impossibility. I just, you know. The same way your hubby has strength and traits that he he has needs that he has to instill into your children. Mom, your 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 the nurturing, that those words of affirmation, the the the, the touching, the affection, that gentleness. Your child needs that, but he also needs to feel dad and, and his strength, his courage, his guidance, his discipline, authority. He needs to feel that. 
really, really believe in my deepest conviction of my spirit that a father standing at his post and is actively involved in the lives of his children is the answer to our gun violence in this country. We can have all, all the laws and we can have all of the restrictions and, and, and you could be in that party or you could be at that party and all of those parties. Listen, I'm talking about, I'm talking about kingdom. I'm, I'm not talking about a political party. I'm talking about kingdom men stand at their post for their family, for their children. A, a young man needs a blueprint. He needs a model. He needs a template to follow. To grow into the man that God has called him to be. I, when I talk to I talk to men and 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 it's it really shakes me at the core when you hear 50 and 50 plus men saying I don't know how to be a man I just don't know how to be a man I don't know what that's about I want to call on fathers this morning to be committed men to be committed to be a door, not a doormat in your home. To stand at the threshold, watching for your family, watching for what, what, what happens inside. You know what's, you know what's one of the most interest, interesting things? While, while you are playing with your toys, men are playing with their toys in their caves, the man cave. Somewhere separated from error. No one can go into the man cave. Man cave, what are you? Your children are in their bedrooms with access to the full world, to the whole world. And you think you think, oh, they're safe. They're, They're in their home. They're safe. Be a door, don't be a doormat. I want to give you that this morning. Number one, be a door, don't be a doormat. Be the man of the house, not just a man in the house. Houses are full with so many men in the house, but there are no men of the house. A big difference between the two. I love it when Becky says, my husband handles that. She says it so flirtatious to my <laughs> freak yo, yo freak <laughs> my husband handles that Who? my husband oh I don't do that my husband handles that man you're needed in the life of your children listen if you don't invest now you will definitely invest in the future you're going to invest. It's going to cost you one way or another. You, you're, either going to, you're, you're either going to invest early or you're going to invest later. Number two, be present. Be present in the lives of your children. Men, I'm talking to you. Men, I'm talking to you. Be present in the lives of your children. I don't know what your aspirations may be. 
but there are times that our aspirations, our hobbies get in the way of what you ought to be in the season that you're in. You signed up to be a parent. You signed up to be a parent. Are you listening? Your child didn't sign up to be a child. You signed up to be a parent. The result is a child. So whatever your aspirations are, you be sure that your aspirations are not drowning out your obligation. Did you get that? When I was, when I was younger, I was younger, I, I, I got, into this, uh, got into this band. And, and my wife wasn't happy at the time with that. And, and I didn't care because our marriage was hell anyway. And so I got into this band and we thought that the band, um, you know, it was just a, something that we were doing once a week at a bar. And I was playing in this merengue band. And the pastor, you know, playing in the merengue band. I was shaking my booty in the merengue band. And that's all right. You ain't got to give all of these on. And I'm in this merengue band. And I'm in this merengue band. And, and Becky holds that over me all the time. And, and, and then one weekend turned to two weekends, to three weekends, to four weekends, to three years later. Three years later, playing it in this band. I remember my father praying and my father praying and my father praying that whole thing out and, and, and just to change that in the course of my life. Why? Because I was neglecting the entry point. All because I was pursuing an aspiration. Our last uh, event was at uh, Madison Square Garden. We were supposed to be the opening group for this band. Had my uniform ready. Was about to cut it. Madison Square Garden, baby. I'm going big time. Baby, I'm going big time, baby. Thing got canceled. The thing got canceled. I had to walk home with the tail between my legs. And everything stopped there. Just stopped. Everything just fizzled. Everything stopped. And then, in a weird event, I turn my life over. I give my life over to Christ. And, and God starts to work in my life. And then this whole, this I don't know, desire to, to pursue music again and, and start it again. It's this aspiration. And, and I remember hearing the Holy Spirit say, you got in trouble one time before. Even in ministry, your aspirations can outdo your obligation. And, and that was resonating in me. So I started a band started a band with my kids I did I started a band with my kids y'all think I'm joking no you think I'm I think I'm joking no I started a band with my kids and they hated it that they hated it <laughs> hated it they, they just hated it every performance I'd be smiling they'd be crying Adrian, Adrian would be playing uh, the drum set and I'm right-handed, he's left-handed, and I taught him how to play the drum set right-handed. Poor kid. 
And I'm yelling at him, why can't you get it right? <laughs> Poor Jose was blowing on his horn. Just, just, just trying, just trying to. But, but dad and children were always together. 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 We were always together. We were always together. We just spent time together. Always time together is what we did. We spent a lot of a lot, a lot of time together. <laughs> always together. We laughed together, fought together, cried together. We did everything together. And, and here it is. After 33 years of marriage, I get to sit down and now my children yell at me. When I'm playing, they're like, no, don't play that way. And I'm like, this is how it felt. <laughs> but you know, the beauty, the beauty to be able to sit down and attend a concert and, and, and to, see, to see Adrian ministering to, to thousands of people. Yeah. And, and, and to see... And to see Jose do the same. And I go, oh, I get what Satan was after. He was not after me. He was after them. And see, here you are, dad and mom. You are so entertained in your aspirations and your hobbies and your things. And there's an enemy that's lurking. An enemy just lurking. He wants to rob, to destroy be present, Father. Be eager to cultivate and to guard and to keep your home. This is a divine assignment. This is, this is not a request. It's a divine assignment that we have as men. You are to guard and you are to keep. You know, when man, when man sinned in the beginning in Genesis and God was, was holding them accountable, he didn't speak to Eve, he spoke to Adam. He spoke to the man he gave the assignment to. I gave you the assignment. What did the man do? The woman you gave me. Coward. Number three. I'm going to be wrapping up in the next 10, 15 minutes. 40 minutes. Let's do 40 minutes. Make eternal investments in your children. Make eternal investments in your children. When, you ch when your children become adults and they sit in the presence of God Almighty to give an account, none of them are going to say, God will, God will, God's not going to say, my, my faithful You guys don't know what's going on through their heads right now. Scared. Fear. Yeah, they their nickname for me was Joe Jackson. <laughs> they did, they called uh, Joe Jackson. As a dad, I'm going to fight for my children. I'm going to fight for mine. Satan will not take my kids. He will not take my kids. 
so, no, I'm, I'm being serious. He would not take my kids. You have to make eternal investments for their spirit and for their soul. You, you know, we make, we make so many earthly investments in our children. I, think about the things you invest, earthly investments into your children. I want you to take a moment, fathers, moms, think, think about that. The earthly investments, karate, ballerina, claymaking, fiddle, playing the fiddle, playing harmonica, just on and on, the chess club, this club, that club, cheerleading, and on and on and on and on. My question to you is, what are the spiritual investments that you're making? I'm not going to rob anyone. I will, I will not be that person to get in the way of what you want to do. But Kung Fu is not going to get your child into heaven. I mean, technically, you, I mean, <laughs> you can make a case for it. Are you guys understanding what I'm saying? You know, my heart broke. At, all the, at, at, at everything, all the turmoil that's been going on. Do you know that just 13 hours later from one mass shooting, there was another one? Just 13 hours. We can't, keep, we can't even keep up with it. Listen, we can't keep up with it. You know what the sad part is? That while there's mass shootings, we've just moved on with life. And my heart breaks. Not just for the dads, for the moms, not just for the children. My heart breaks for that shooter. 18 years old. I don't know how many got to, to listen and read a little bit about his life. 18 years old. What takes a child? Listen, and, that, and that's what happens. The world, mom and dad, listen to me. Mom and dad, listen to me carefully. Stop for just a moment, just, just for a little moment. At 18, in the spirit realm, your child will always be your child. But in this world, it's an adult. It's an adult. And they pay the consequences of adults starting at 18. Now, I don't know about you all, but you know that an 18-year-old it's still a baby. Come on, guys. You know that. Still a child. We have an obligation and a responsibility. When, I, when, when Alexis, we got to take this thing down. <laughs> when Alexis and Adrian and Jose were in my home, they had, they, they, they had, they had curfews. And they had curfews. They had times. They had boundaries. They had things in place. Um, Jessica was dating she's in the back Jessica was dating Adrian and she couldn't believe it he had a curfew to get back to my house at a certain time why? at a certain time if you're not on this side of the door you're homeless and Jessica couldn't believe it you're like what? oh that's a culture thing that's a Puerto Rican thing no that's a kingdom thing I'm gonna guard my kids That's a Puerto Rican thing. No, it's not Puerto Rican. That's, that's kingdom. What you say? <laughs> Aaliyah, gotta clap for that, Aaliyah. Yeah. 
But make, make, make investments. Eternal investments. Read scriptures with your children. At night, before my children went to bed, they didn't hear mom's voice. They heard dad's voice alongside of their bed, reading stories, telling them Bible stories. They hated that too, by the way. But it was my voice they heard. When they went to, when they went to school, it was not the blessing and the prayer of mom. I showed up. I would get up in the morning to pray over my kids to send them off to school. Pray over them. I got to, I got to watch my grandkids uh, two weeks ago over at Jose's house. And I had to watch the kids because Rebecca was, was working and she was traveling. And what a beautiful, heartwarming thing it was for me when I arrived there at 7 in the morning. And I saw my son, Jose, praying over his children. And he was blessing them and he was praying for them. And then he sent them away. I said, thank you, Father, for those eternal investments. I said I, said I had three points. I'm going to give you one last one here. And they're not really points, just some suggestions. I, I, I want to give this to men. But this, la- this last one is for, this is for the dads that may have children for whatever reason that may not be under your roof. I want you to listen to me. You may have to work harder for those children if they're not under your roof. You may have to be a little more unconventional with those children, to be more diligent to safeguard those children. Because it's hard to be adored in someone else's home, in someone else's realm. But I want to encourage you. It's not impossible. Don't give up. Fight for your children. Fight for your children. Fight for their souls. Fight for their lives. The message, title, knock, knock. Are you there? Dad, are you there? Dad, are you there? I want everyone to stand to your feet. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. If you would like to find information about who we are or how to donate so that we can keep doing what we're doing, please check us out at www.scarletnotes.org. See you next time.